The album may be called Miseducation, but Lauren Hill's gonna learn today. It's the Going Off Podcast with Rap Critic and Muse. You know, let's just one more time for the offgoers because it did so well last week. People loved it so much. What the hell is going on? I've already got something in the works that's kind of giving the side eye to one of my legends this week. And then I see this, and it's like right as I woke up. This is like Tuesday. I just happened to get up at like 5.30 a.m. or something like that. And man. And you know how like celebrities very rarely write articles about things. It's like, no, she wrote a whole ass article defending herself from critics. And that's the thing I saw. And I was like, hmm, who's she talking about? What's, What's going on? What happened? Your boy, Robert Glasper. A very respected musician in the industry. He's in an interview with uh, The Box 97, I think, in Houston. He didn't want to insult a legend, but nigga, fuck it. (laughs) He was coming through with the fucking, you know, when you go to Burger King or whatever, and you order four large teas and they're handing it out the window to you in the car and they're trying not to drop it. But boy, oh boy, did he... Drop those all over Lauren Hill's front seat. <laughs> that floorboard is done. They talk, They asked him a question of like, have you ever had any like, you know, difficult musicians? You know how it is in the industry. Some people are assholes, da da da. And he was like, he's like, you know, the guy's like, you don't have to name names, but like maybe tell us a story. And he was like, oh, I'll give you a name, Lauren Hill. And everyone's just like, <laughs> like you hear the wind get sucked up like oh oh is this happening are we doing this right now you can tell the host was trying to like go like oh we don't we don't need to go there and he's like no no let's do it let's talk you fucking asked yeah what yeah. the hell do you want do you want to go viral today or do you want no one to listen to your fucking show that no one's heard of let's put you on the fucking map let's talk about lauren fucking hell he says that the way Lauren Hill's whole process has been, she is such a fucking diva. If you read, like, if just listen to his account, she's a fucking diva. She's like, oh, well, the sound's not right, and so I have to fire all the musicians that I'm on tour with while we move out to, when, when we're all coming together out to Japan, you know, on a tour that they were expecting to get some bread from for a little while, and they should just start auditioning new people to tour for her in the middle of her tours. But on top of that, then he went, he decided to take it back. He was just like, well, let's talk about the writing credits for her first album. And people were like, oh, shit. (laughs) Because I I saw that this was the center of a lawsuit some years back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there had been some uh, murmurs and whispers about it. So to see someone just like come out and just be like, no, she wanted to take all the credit for something that, like, a lot of people were helping her on, and it's bullshit. So, she has a thing for seeing herself as the center of attention, right? So, I'm, I, I start reading this article, and, uh, the, the one that Ms. Lauren Hill wrote. I see that it's her name, and I'm like, oh, wow, it's actually her. And then it said, I see, I've remained patient for quite a long time, allowed people to talk, and then, and then I just go like, wait, who, what? Robert Glasper, why is she talking about... Wait, is it, whoa, whoa. And then I see, um, you may be able to make suggestions, but you can't write for me. I am the architect of my creative expression. And I'm like, this is the thing when I was reading, I was like, what, who says that, who's saying this? 
who's say like it, that's not a thing that people are like huh, lauren hill doesn't know how to write a song like no one has accused lauren hill of ghostwriting recently it's like listening to Nicki minaj going hey at least i write my own shit like who was saying you didn't had she had just kept her mouth shut i would not have heard about this video <laughs> So it's literally her fault that I now know and am sharing the information that there is a lot of controversy behind who actually wrote what, especially musically, on her first album. When was it? How long ago was it when we were talking about the Wyclef album? You were on this show! Fucking kissing her ass, saying (laughs) the only respectable member of the Fugees! (laughs) What a fucking... Shit show. I'm trying to read back over what she's saying, but I, I honestly just want to skip it like I did the first time. Because, like, you know, as you start reading it, you, you start going like, what is she? Why is she so pressed? I was like, oh, okay, I've got to find what she was talking about. And then when you read what the guy's talking about, you're like, oh, that's very clear and concise. It makes sense. Here's the accusation. And, like, that's what it is. She does not address this in any way. She doesn't go, he said this. Well, this is actually the story. What she says is shit like, I just needed time to get things right. And it's just like, uh, that doesn't justify what you're saying. You still come off like someone who doesn't know how to do time management and is, you know, wasting other musicians' time with this bullshit. The first thing I read was the person going line by line, uh, commenting on Lauren Hill's post, and which made it a lot easier because I was not about to read that whole fucking rambling text because you're right she goes in all these different directions she uh she takes on the accusations about why she hasn't released anything in a long time and then randomly takes a sidestep and addresses the i don't hate white people thing from who knows how long ago and then sidesteps again about like hey it's just the fucking man and the patriarchy trying to hold me down trying to fucking get points with the feminists and it's like look man You can't do this bad faith bullshit. You know, usually what people hear is like, you know, here's a really talented female performer, but, ah, man, because of sexism in the industry, she just kept getting screwed over and they wouldn't release her album. You know, Charlie Baltimore, she's a direct victim of that, one could say. But Lauryn Hill, every time you hear stories, it's always, she wouldn't show up for stuff. She, you know, like, she was taking way too much time to do this, and so the label fucking moved on and people didn't want to keep working because she was just like, Oh my god, she's so hard to work with and she's such a diva. She came in and just gave um, uh, one of the guys he was working with the guitar and said, uh, tune this. And he's like, uh, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. All right, I have to tune your instruments too, okay. And it's just like, well, why can't you do that yourself? A, either you're an asshole or B, you don't know how to do it. If you don't know how to do it, you can ask a little nicer because according to the quote, she, she was just like, hey, guitar. And just held it out for him right. to do. Like, wasn't even asking. It was like, it was expected of you. You gotta tune this shit for me. This should have already been done. I scroll down to the comments and I see a comment from someone named Cleo J. I just started reading it and I was like, and the first thing she said was, this is the longest rambling bit of faux woke nonsense I've ever read. She writes articles and she has her own uh, website and podcast with someone else and they talk about a lot of like, you know, black issues and shit. So like, I was like, oh, okay. The arrogance of presumption that allows, this is Lauren Hill speaking. The arrogance of presumption that allows someone to think that they could have all the facts about another person's life and experience is truly and remarkably dot, dot, dot presumptuous. And this is something we talked about on the show just last week. We were talking about Nikki and uh, and 6 9 about 
You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. People like us, people who simply host a podcast, are on the outside looking in. We are merely observers, commenting on what we are seeing go down. This is a person you worked with. This isn't someone who doesn't know what's going on. This is someone who was fucking there, who saw it firsthand. You can't act like they're just making shit up. Yeah, exactly. So Lauren says, I apologize for the delay in getting this posted. I was late in hearing about it. And she responds, you're always late for shit. That's part of the fucking problem. <laughs> you may be able to make suggestions, but you can't write for me. I am the architect of my creative expression. No decisions are made without me. I hire master builders and masterful artisans and technicians who play beautifully and lend their technical expertise and who translate the language that I provide into beautifully realized music. And then the person responded, so you hire people to make music for you. Th th that's exactly what he said. <laughs> The issue isn't that you hired people, it's that you didn't give them credit on the album and they sued your ass for it, and you fucking had to settle out of court because of it. Yeah. This is the part that kind of tripped me up. She said, The miseducation was the first time I worked with musicians outside of the Fugees whose report and working relationship was clear. And she was like, Did, did you mean rapport? Their report. <laughs> Lauren Hill is the person who made the miseducation of Lauren Hill 20 years ago. And she doesn't know that report and rapport are not spelled the same. It's like the whole facade is just slowly <laughs> slipping away. And it's like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> and he says, um, she said, I may have been inclusive, but these are my songs. And she says, if you're so inclusive, why did you forget to include the actual artists on the album credits? Hmm. <laughs> Y'all need to read the rest. Uh, we'll provide a link, but yeah. Link will be in the description because it it just goes on and on and on. And let's just say that she doesn't look better by the end of it. She brings up Harriet Tubman at one point. Oh, she performs versions of the songs that are on the album, but either they're acoustic versions or they're remixes because... As the person who wrote the article on Medium claims, she doesn't own the rights to the songs right. because of the lawsuit, so she can't legally do it. What's stopping you from making new music? Yeah, I mean, screw making an album. Just do live shit. If you feel like you can't make your own little record label or whatever, because it's like, there are tons of artists from, from late 90s, early 2000s that we all love that are still doing their independent thing. You know, they may not be on top, on top, but since they loved making music, they found their way to keep making music. Dude, KRS-One released an album earlier this year. <laughs> Nobody heard about it, yeah. but it's out there. <laughs> he has no reason to, to to be making an album to expect it to, like, you know, go gangbusters. Lord Hill, you do! <laughs> In the modern day, there's Bandcamp, there's SoundCloud. You can post this shit anywhere like if the whole point of it is you want to write new material and you want to put new shit out there and if it doesn't matter about it you know being on a label or whatever there are ways to get around that you know how many nostalgia dollars alone you could get if you were if your name is lauren hill and you just released a, a song on soundcloud how many how many nostalgia clicks would you get just on principle 
at this point, her brand is kind of tarnished. Yeah, so it's mud now, but maybe not as many, maybe not as many clicks as she would have got a few years back before she fucking dug herself in this hole and of like forced obscurity. She she is like an incel with fame. <laughs> She's over here acting like it's everyone's fault but her own. I'm involuntarily obscure. <laughs> And, and, like, she knows about Medium enough to post this. <laughs> yeah. So it's not like she doesn't know. You know what I mean? There are channels, Lauren. My goodness. Like, if you wanted to make some music, you would have made some music by now. I'm sorry. How many other female black musicians? Let's just go by that. That are still, like, you know, when they wanted to, they did their fucking thing. Fucking Missy Elliott is on the new Ariana Grande album. For fuck's sake. That could have been you. You could have been featured on shit but by the fucking, like you said, the weight of your name alone. You could have been like, hey, can I get on this new whatever track with fucking Nikki or whatever. You think these people would say no? People Maybe today. Hear her but- voice. She would sampled in Drake's biggest hit this year. <laughs> I ain't lying. And she was sampled in another song as well. But it's just like, so people obviously like your sound. It's either, I think it's divaness mixed with, like, the trepidation of releasing music that's not going to be up to par with the first one. I don't know what else it could be other than ego, which is masking a sort of hidden fear. That, like, oh my god, what if I can't, you know, do something that's as good as that? It's the um, the Dr. Dre uh, detox effect. Like, nothing you put out is going to be satisfactory at this point. It does just seem like... Dude, just fucking put out an album, it's whatever. But I also understand, you know, the wanting it to be perfect. But, on the other side of that, look at Wyclef. <laughs> like, he has been just able... Just <laughs> He has been able to get away with releasing mediocre shit <laughs> since the Fugees. And does anyone say anything? No. Nobody gives him the slightest bit of flack, which brings it back to an issue that you bring up time and time again. If you are a black female rapper, you need to bring it so much harder because of the expectation. Yeah. Lauryn Hill has that expectation of that one classic album, we're going to say it time and time again, decades ago. And if it's even the slightest bit doesn't hit that same bar, it's a it's a flop. It's a failure. She should have stayed in the closet. She should have <laughs> should have stayed hung up. But if Wyclef did the same shit, people would go, "Oh yeah, yeah, new Wyclef album. Did you listen to it? No, I don't fucking care to." And yeah, <laughs> is that because he never released like a classic solo album of his own? Maybe. (laughs) But it might. It just might come down to some sort of sexism because it often does. Let's just say that. Very possibly. But with what? With the information that we are currently been giving and how. The context. Yes. and, And her rebuttal, which just seems. It doesn't seem to be saying, no, he he gave the wrong account of it. Let me tell you what really happened that day. You know, she doesn't give extra context. All she does is want to change your perception 
of what he already said by making excuses. The expectation to make it all come together is on me. The risk and the financial losses are on me. Hence, my vibe, though not the only consideration, is the priority. Cleo's response was like, you don't even be there. Like, you're not even at the concert sometimes, motherfucker. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? I couldn't or didn't tune my own guitar? <laughs> that sounds like an assumption. And her response is, he literally witnessed you have someone else do it for you. Where's the assumption? An assumption. It could be a fabrication or an exaggeration. It's not an assumption. I mean, you could say it is an assumption. I mean, hey, just because I have made someone tie my shoes doesn't mean I can't tie my shoes. But then you have to ask the question, why did you need someone else to tie your shoes? <laughs> so, Alright, so this week's review is... Uh, this Summer by Brothers from Another, requested by Colin James. And if you'd like to request an album as well, uh, head to either one of our Patreons and just, you know, put in that one-time donation, and you can have yours locked in. And we are burning through these. This group called Brothers from Another. Mm-hmm. T- 2015 album. Yep. And, you know, it's... This is like that sort of like. Do you remember Swayze? Hey, wait, wait, wait. Was that the uh Corona and Lime? Yeah, my main squeeze. Squeeze. <laughs> uh. My main squeeze, dude. Yeah. <laughs> my comparison or m- my reference point was going to be that recently uh, we reviewed the Kyle albums. Mm, you know, I was right? thinking that. And we said that Kyle was, like, the feel-good, party, chilled-out rap music, and he was doing it better than we had heard it in recent years. These are the people that we are saying that he was doing better than. (laughs) I'm just gonna say this, alright? This album's okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, the first thing I wrote was serviceable. (laughs) Like, it does its job. All those same words. It's fine. It's alright. It's okay. I was so disinterested listening to the album, though, that even though it was, like, shorter than the Joyner Lucas album, I fucking had to break away because I was just like, I don't want to listen to this. I want to listen to something else that is actually doing this shit better. Because... While it's, again, okay, it's, like, not memorable. The beats are, they're just there. He, like, the songs don't really say anything. And while they don't have to say anything, if the lyrics are interesting, you could talk about whatever, you know? You could fucking write an interesting song about a fucking day off work. Just fucking watching movies and Netflix. If the lyrics are clever and funny, you can write a song about anything. The second song on the album, Day Drink, kind of gives you the perfect perception of what this kind of all is. This isn't very effortful. This is very lazy, hazy, sort of, uh, we're, we're, I'm messing around with a couple of my friends and we made some tracks. He's even got the kind of like, always sounding like I'm smiling yeah like like kyle had but it wasn't charming he he's chilled out and that's fine for him he's having a great time but 
it do, it feels like it doesn't really matter whether or not I'm having a good time listening to this, you know? Which is fine for him, but <laughs> I'm me, so... <laughs> You'd think, though, if you have an album called Summer, and mm-hmm. all these tracks are kind of feel-good in nature to varying degrees, that you would want the listener to kind of feel what you're saying. Be like, yeah, this is fucking... I'm feeling this. I could really get down with this. I... If this shit was just on and playing, and I was just hearing it. <laughs> just, I, I just... I don't know, man. I, I, I hate... I hate to say it, because, like, you know that people might have different standards for what is interesting and whatever to them. And I'm sure to someone, this album did grab them in some way. But, like, beat-wise, no. The flow is okay. Lyric-wise, no. It's competent. It's very competent. And I will say, halfway through the album, beats do get a little better. Uh, I, Yeah, I definitely do like um, the chorus on all you i think that was the best hook and i wanted to sample uh some of the lyrics but i forgot to copy them down i honestly thought you were about to say i was gonna quote this but i forgot it and i would have been yeah exactly (laughs) uh but uh, then there was bootylicious which is a weird title the song has nothing really to do with like that it's not like no but the but the hook it sounds like it's from an SWV song. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, so why is it saying it's bootylicious when it's not mm. even like that's not even that type of style? You know, it's like not even a Destiny's Child thing. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to quote some of these lyrics. And I'm just thinking about them because I thought that they stuck out to me. But as I'm looking at them, I'm like, I honestly, if you told me to put which lyric with the right song, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Because they don't, uh, I feel like a lot of the songs don't have enough personality for that to really pop. Like, Funk With Us, Day Drink, first two tracks kind of feel the same. Blame It On My Youth is just meandering. He says, uh, I need to show my grandkids that I really was the shit. Yo, I swear that we the shit, we the shit. Like, that is that is this personality. It's sort of like, I'm a, I'm a cool guy. And <clears throat> I mean, you know, if you, if you like me, I mean, you know. I'm just going to read off the, these titles. Day Drink. <laughs> You're right! Hanging Out. Blunt Talk. Broke Talk. <laughs> One after the other. Good Company, which, you know, is probably one of the better, I guess, concepts. Actually, in, yeah. In Good Company, but I still didn't care for the song itself. I, no, I would actually say I like that one because that one had an idea. Well, to be, to be fair, you you can guess what Blunt Talk and Broke Talk are about. They have uh, ideas. As well, as well, yeah. But um, overdone but, and done better by better artists. Uh, but The Good Company had a really good lyric. Like, it was a lyric that actually, like, really stuck out to me. Talking about having a good time with her, and then he says, like, these are the repercussions of building up the nerve to say something. And I was like, wow, that was actually... That that was a lyric that meant a lot, because, you know, it's like, the only reason we're hanging out and having a good time with this person that I love is because, you know, I, I, I worked up the nerve to actually ask them to hang out. 
but when you got like in blunt talk and the chorus is like man i felt like they thought it was so clever the i'm gonna show you how to roll he also does the thing of i've got so much money and i can just chill out and do whatever i want but then you have broke talk where it's like oh i don't really have a lot of money in it and so i was like all right which is it bro well i will say though broke talk was pretty dope he says i'm sick of being broke should have been a stockbroker. I've been in the red like most of October. That that line, that line was actually kind of yeah. Dope. And again, like it's not exactly clever, but it's a well written line. But just to illustrate, you know what I actually said before about it's, you know, you you've got all this money uh, that you can do this, but then for whatever song, now you don't have any money because you know you need to be hashtag relatable, you know. And yeah. On this song, he goes like, uh, my car got declined, like, yo, who can spot me? Yo, who can stop me? My two favorite questions. We've been talking for the past few weeks about lines that need to retire because of the Eminem video where he was talking about rhymes you're no longer able to do. Both of these albums do something very interesting. And when I say that, I mean, kind of overdone and cliche. And I've heard enough albums that do it well, but I'm kind of sick of it. Albums with the underlining theme of it being a radio station. Like, I actually like that skit, though. It, 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 it at least fit the vibe of the album. That the, are, are, I get, can give it that much at the very, very least. Here's the in-world <laughs> DJ, and I'm doing the back sell <laughs> of the song, and here's a commercial break now. And it feels like we've been doing a lot of that. Actually, I was thinking, because on, on, uh, there's that Ja Rule song, I'm always on time, so baby, be my... Remember that song? Here on something, 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 we play nothing but the hits, nothing but the hits, nothing but the motherfucking hits. And it's just like, what was the point of that? Why did you pay someone just to say that? I heard, uh, Petey Pablo on the radio this morning, and at the beginning it's that, uh, Let's take some oh. calls. Let's take that. It's like, oh my god. All right, when stage is playing your favorite, it's like, oh my god. It's already being played on a radio. Like, I don't need that shit. Yeah. How would they? How did they play this on the radio? Like, you know how they have to talk over the intro. So now you're just talking over someone talking over the intro. <laughs> it's that fucking kiss, kiss. Ugh, my girlfriend's <laughs> leaving me. She ain't doing me right. All right. This album did the in-world radio station, and Joyner did the phone calls oh. into the next tracks, which we just did that on another album recently, didn't we? Okay, it look. It feels like we did. And if, it's fucking Mad City. Can like, you please cut out, like, the intro every time to the voicemail? After a while, we oh. get it. We know what it is. Well, then again, Kendrick didn't cut out the lines you heard of his poem in To Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah, but that was interesting. That that was. That was. By the way, we're talking about Joyner Lucas, 508-507-2209, requested by Gavin Martinez. As, say, as stated earlier, if there's an album that you want requested for us to talk about on the podcast, it is a one-time pledge to patreon.com slash tribecritic or patreon.com slash muse. Oh, oh, we didn't give the last album uh, an official rating. Oh, three. Yeah, three. So anyway. But see, I didn't really mind the phone call bit personally because I was really digging the album uh, for a while. Uh, yeah. It, this album is what, an hour and 23 minutes, I think? You know how Janelle Monet 
has a thing. <laughs> and and we've talked about this on the show before, how she has this thing where the first three tracks, it's like a one, two, three hit combo. It's a fucking right hook, left hook, uppercut. And it's like, my God, I can't get enough of these three songs that go together so well. Okay, how about the inverse of that? Where the last three songs are the worst. Ooh. Ooh, look, that last track. Man. Look, man. This album had a fucking flow to it. And I'm just going to skip to the end real quick. We got a song about... Which, again, started out kind of clever. It's, hey, I got an STD. I'm going to blame my dick. Now I'm going to take it that one step further. And I'm going to have an argument with it. And, and, and then I'm going to cut it off. You know, because up until this point, the album's been so lighthearted and comical that <laughs> right, a fucking skit like this <laughs> isn't jarring as fuck. And then, your favorite, sequencing. Mm-hmm. We go from a song where, oh, I'm gonna grab my dick and I'm gonna cut it off and, ah, take that, motherfucker! Now it's a song about being suicidal. Whoa! <laughs> and then we go from there to the fucking ba- basically a song about rape. Oh my god. Oh my god. And that's how you end it. I t- oh, oh yeah, right after all these songs. All right, so let's back up. Let's back yeah, up. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. We got to give you context. <laughs> <laughs> right, just to let you know how it felt when it happened. Why this is so fucked up. Yeah. So we start off, you know, just a song to show you how dopey is, you know, ultrasound, which starts off with, I'm so tired of these issues that you're, that you're putting me through and da 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 da. And then she brings up that Joyner has a gambling problem. And I was like, oh, okay, is that going to play a role in this album? (laughs) You know, this is what somebody said about the intro. The voicemail sets up how women in his life are trying to control his actions and behavior while he's working to make it and get his. This sound, yeah, like, that description is just like, man, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Trying to control his actions? Oh, these pesky women always trying to make sure I don't gamble all my money away. Harumph. (laughs) I'm just trying to do my thing. Live my best life. They're getting in my way. And then, and then, uh, he says, the casino also serves as a metaphor for trying to break into the rap game. Stop it! (laughs) Stop it! Don't, you're putting words in this woman's mouth. No! It's about him going to a fucking casino and gambling. That, why would she be speaking in metaphors? That doesn't make any fucking sense. She's not the rapper. Yeah. She's just supposed to be a person enjoying her life. And I do like how... Sometimes it's less shoehorned than others that the that the voicemails uh, lead you into the next track. Sometimes I think it works really well. Other times, no. Like what? Whoever that fucker is that is singing the the fucked up version of uh, "It's a Man's World." Whoever the fuck is doing that. Cut that from the album. Jesus, that was so annoying. He kept coming back, and I was just like, am I supposed to find this endearing or funny? Because I don't find it either. I was trying to work my way into the compliment, but then I got reminded of the problems with the first song. (laughs) (laughs) It happens. Because it starts with that, 
And then he says the line, if anybody got a problem, tell them they can come to me. And I was like, well, it sounds like you're the one with the problem with, with gambling, bro. I mean, what? Yeah. <laughs> and why um, are we starting the album on gambling? Yeah, this, that was the thing. It's like, that's such a specific thing. And you think it's going to play some sort of, you know, have some sort of effect on the album? Nah. This is a song that should have been halfway through the album. This isn't a song you start with. He starts off like, get the fuck up, up my dick. You know, that that whole thing. And it's just like, wow, that's just like the most generic way you could have started a rap song. Uh, yeah. You know, like. <sighs> and it's annoying because, like, he really shows off some skill on this album. Exactly. And that's the thing that's pissing me off so much. The thing that's so confusing to me about this album is that he is an incredible lyricist and storyteller. Where the fuck is this stupid shit coming from where he's trying to be funny? And he's like, uh, when he ends the song with, uh, even Superman couldn't save him, get the fuck off of my cock. Like, what? Are you, are you trying to be funny? Because that, I mean, that's the same, that just wasn't funny. Maybe you thought, I can't cut this song because it wouldn't, because other things on the album wouldn't make sense in the context, or I need to find a way to get the intros in there. But it's an hour and 23 minutes. You can afford to lose some of these tracks, man. Lovely. He says, uh, and I can get my son a Nintendo now. A couple shirts and a damn Netflix account. That's it? Goddamn. Yeah, uh, okay, but that's okay. I know I'm gonna be alright. See, he does stuff like that. And it's moments, he does little, like, you know, messing with the the sound of the music and and timing, which does work at certain moments. He does that with the storytelling as well. Little things where the music cuts out or something changes that you don't expect, and it work. There's times where it works and and it's fucking brilliant, and there's other times where it doesn't work and it just makes the song fall flat. And uh, I could also say the same with um. He likes to repeat a lot of his lyrics in certain songs, not like Logic. Uh, but it's sort of like, I can tell he's doing this for effect. He's doing it to show the similarity of certain, uh, situations. Sometimes it works, and other times it just feels like, okay, it sounds like you're just being lazy and just starting the first four bars again. Like, oh, what's that song, um, Runaway Love? Where it's just like, the first four bars of that song by Ludacris is like, they're the exact same. Like, you just copied and paid, like, come on, that's just cheating. Um, but then for every line like that, he gives us ten lines like, I be laying, sitting, standing on a fucking hater, kick him in the face, the niggas got me twisted, I ain't saving bitches, I got Sega Genesis. And then you look at the fucking annotation, he's like, so the early Sega Genesis, uh, they actually didn't have a save mechanic on them. I was like, oh, holy yeah. shit, that's a deep reference right there. I'm not gonna call it speed rapping, but his when he speeds up his flow, that's like, I can appreciate the fuck out of that. Yeah, it's very deliberate and very, like, he doesn't, he's not sloppy. He doesn't do it a lot on the album to the point where, like, it gets, like, it's a fucking gimmick. But he did it enough where I was like, oh, cool, he's doing that thing again. You know, like, it didn't overstay its welcome either. Oh, this is one of the songs where it happens on uh, FYM, Fuck You Mean. Where he, where he has one lyric where he says, So tell all my bitches I got a new girl and tell the police that I'm robbing the bank and I want all of my 50s in cash. And then there's a later on line where he says, so tell all my bitches I got a new girl and tell the police that I'm robbing the bank and I want all my money in hundreds. That didn't say anything different. All you did was slightly change around some words. It means the same thing. You know, I don't remember that song being that bad, 
but the only thing I remember was it could have done without Mystical. Oh, yo. I like this verse, man. And I'm not just saying that. I'm sorry. And I'm not just saying that because Mystical's been arrested for rape twice. I'm just saying. Oh my god, it was twice? Jesus fucking. But, uh... Okay, um, holy fucking shit. God damn it. (laughs) People who are talented, stop doing shitty things so we can fucking appreciate your music without having to feel bad about it. God damn it. I just thought the song was alright that it almost felt like, I don't know, maybe put Mystical on another song that needs it. Because I thought it was good enough on its own that it didn't need the the guest spot. It, it kind of felt like, whoa, okay, this is here too. Maybe he should have replaced Steph Don. I didn't think she did a bad job. What did she say that was interesting? I don't remember. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Don't no, fucking quiz me. She has an me. accent, and that's what made her stand out. Dude, I swear, that's I, it. When I, because I don't have the lyrics written down or in front of me, I just remember that when I heard her guest verse, I thought to myself, I wish every time someone reached out to get Nikki for a guest verse, they got Stefan Don instead. I'll say that much. Um, okay. That we can agree on. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Watch me fuck it up and go ham. Getting keys overseas just so I can bring it back. I ain't talking about no coke, bitch. I'm all about the crack. I didn't even have to pay. All I had to do was rap. Wait, you're, you're taking crack back to the UK? That sounds like a bad idea. Don't do that. That ruined a lot of people in America. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> you did not want to expose the people to that. <laughs> no. You're the and fucking supervillain here. Uh, and remember when he says, look what you made me do after the first verse on that song? And the first verse, like the second verse is phenomenal. The first verse is not that interesting at all. And so he's like, look what you made me do. Oh, look what you did. I was like, I, I mean, whoever inspired you for that did not do that much. Okay, so... Then we get to keep it 100. I think because I've heard the other songs by Joyner Lucas and they all kind of have like a message to them that I was kind of like looking in a way for a message from this. But like, you know, not every song has to have a message, right? You know, sometimes the story is just an interesting story. Like, oh, isn't it interesting how a hundred dollar bill gets around? You know, I think that's a cool like little idea. It, it feels like the song is trying to end up making it seem more important than... It is, but as long as you... Like, oh, you know what it is? This song was planned with a video already attached to it. Yeah, yeah. Without the visual element, it, it kind of falls flat. Especially the ending, where he's like... Talks about the homeless guy getting the $100. He says, the clerk rang him out and said, that'll be eighteen twenty-five, And then he held up the 100 bill with the red number on top. Then everything stopped. And it's just like, wh- why did everything stop? Well, then what? Yeah. Yeah, and now if you watch the video, you see that the store clerk uh, pulls out a gun and is like, oh, you know, you must be the guy who stole this $100, because I remember this $100 from three weeks ago? So, I mean, it's completely possible that in three weeks that money could have gotten to someone else, but okay, whatever. And, and why would you stick someone up for just, like, why would you risk get like getting into a gunfight with someone who apparently you think has robbed you only to get $100 back. Like, that's not even the whole amount that you had in the register. That was just the amount that that one woman had on him. I remember when I was listening to the song, I was really digging the fact that it kept bringing it back around. And once I saw once it, what it was doing, 
and be like, oh, this is the story of the fucking $100 bill. I was like, oh, shit. This is really cool. And I was I was digging it, but then not until it ended did all the kind of things that, like, didn't really hit that hard kind of, I guess, bring themselves to the surface. He sees the phone number on it, and he thinks it's weird, but he doesn't do anything about it. It's like, really? He didn't, like... He never thought to call it. Then a priest steals it from his collection plate. It's like, okay. Like, that itself could be, like, its own story, but here it's just, like, a tiny little footnote of a priest saw a $100 bill in the collection plate, so he decided to take it so he could have time with a prostitute. Specifically, like, $100 bills only go to, like, people who are living bad or, or have nefarious purposes. He's, he spends time with the prostitute, and then the prostitute has the $100 bill, and, oh no, here's the pimp, and he takes it. Yeah, okay, the pimp thing was kind of like, it, it took too long to reveal what was happening. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was like, it felt like she felt the hand of God, and then you hear a smack, and you're just like, oh, did, did God just kill her or something? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that should have been sooner, it should have been... It feels like she felt the end of God, but, uh, oh, it was her pimp, da 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 Like, oh, that's a nice little mini clever misdirect. But when you just have that long couple of seconds, that sounds like, oh, this, there would be a video that would be explaining what's happening right now. But I can't see it, so I just have to wait, because I don't know what's going on. I was thinking it was like a GTA thing, where the fucking priest slapped her and took the money back. Because <laughs> why Why would it be Hand of God if it wasn't the priest? Right. Like, she looked like, up, because yeah. he literally says, she looked up and seen the Hand of God. So that's actually a bad misdirect, because it seems like you're literally telling us the Hand of God hit her. I guess I was more impressed that someone would make a song like that, that I didn't take the time to really let it sink in. That it wasn't as interesting as I thought it was. I, it felt like this was going to be, uh, got yourself a gun, but it turned out to be left my wallet in El Segundo. The thing that introduces it, because like someone said, um, oh, you know, a lot of the songs are, uh, uh, introduced by the skits on the song before. The song before, which is the fuck you mean, the way it ends is like, his girlfriend saying, yeah, you're a piece of shit. Uh, this is the third time this week you're a baby crying in the background. You failed to pick up your son. I'm just so confused. Like, I find it funny. You're all up in the studio uh, slinging mixtapes, but you don't have time to bring home diapers and lay your kid down and go to sleep. What the fuck? You want Snapchat doing all this shit and da-da-da? The skit ends with him saying, I'm not doing this with you. Keep it 100, my nigga. And it it literally feels like the only thing Jordan Lucas got from that was, Hey, keep it a hundred. You know, I should make a song about a hundred dollar bill. This <laughs> is like, um, did you not hear the rest of the, like, she challenged your character as a human being, bro. Like, <laughs> here's something I wondered was, do you think he heard any of, I, and, and I'm talking canon, obviously, like fucking kayfabe. Did he hear any of the messages? Oh, like, has he heard, a, is he listening to them as the song's going on? I don't know, because at the end, the dude fucking singing again, that guy going, oh, it's a man's world, oh. And so I'm like, what? So Someone was calling Joyner, and this time he actually picked up. Instead of it going to his voicemail, it's like, hello? Hello? And and then the guy calling him is, is the singer. Oh. That is not a payoff. Not for an hour and 20 minutes. It is right. not a satisfactory <laughs> payoff. Oh, that actually illustrates the point, though. It's like, it's it's ambitious, 
but it's slightly too ambitious for what the actual point is. This is a knock-knock joke with, like, just one too many sentences in it. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, like, going back to fucking Keep It 100, like, if you maybe would have taken out that entire thing with the priest, because, honestly, you know, it's not as interesting as it should have been. It would have been a lot more to the point. Would have been a lot, a lot quicker. Yeah, and I think the the fucking point you're trying to get across, like it didn't need to change hands that many times for me to go, wow, it sure is travel. Like I got it, I know it. A lot of people have this dollar. I get it. Yeah, and then um, let me see. Uh, winter now, Winter Blues was actually a dope track all the way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that one a lot. Uh, a spe- like I hate to say this sounds stupid, but he's just rapidly rapping. It can be good, or it can just be a lot of pomp and circumstance really signifying nothing. You know, the whole deal. But when he has a topic like Winter Blues, and it's like something that's actually about him and not him just trying to build this overblown story, when it's just something self-contained that's just about him, he knocks it out of the park. Again, he does his trade runs sort of like playing with stuff where he says, uh, what a mic and a gas mask, I'm a light, uh, I got a light for your trash ass, and I'm about to get the last laugh, better off if you backstab with a knife in your backpack, all my life I've been jabbed at, but I fight like a Mad Max with a knife with a, yeah, 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 you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Like, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, that was, that was an enjoyable moment. And so, I, and I hate that we're dumping on so much of it, because there is a lot of it that is absolutely genius. Uh, you have Just Like You. Whew. Maybe the highlight of the entire album. This is his style done perfectly well. You have the story, you have the idea of him doing perspectives, and they all come together to mean something. The idea of, you know, uh, the first two verses are like a, a girl and a boy growing up with a bad role model and saying, like, I don't want to do this. I, I see that this is bad and I want to get out of this. And then the third verse is someone who is like, actually had a good role model and you you know you just hear how different the perspective is how different the aspiration is and how it's like you know the first two kids are their lives are going to be way more of a struggle than that last kid because he has that you know it's not that they all three can't make it but it's just like he just has that leg up you know what i'm hoping this, this model head canon is that the first two uh the first two verses are from a boy and a girl that grow up and get together and then they have the, the the kid who does the third verse. That's what I was thinking. You know what I'm saying? Maybe ask him to confirm it. But if I was him, I'd be like, yeah, that's totally what I meant. <laughs> uh, but there's a video for that too. But I didn't check it out. Maybe that's what happens. But um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. When a song is really good, you know, you just get to thinking. Again, how this album kind of feels disjointed at points. You have the last song where this guy's like, who the fuck do you think you are trying to give advice to a child? My child. You're the big, you're the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen in my life, and I'm like, oh wow. And I mean, he's not wrong because we literally just heard this kid earlier about how he's neglecting his child and hanging out on Instagram with a bunch of hot chicks. So, like, I'm inclined to believe this guy, <laughs> you know. And so, like, when it comes to the next song, like, it's related, but not in a way that feels direct. And then you get just because which is six minutes long and all it is is just the standard i love you girl and i miss you babe and why don't we ever do things just because and oh my god you will hate the phrase just because by the end of this goddamn song i forgot 
that it actually is just the chorus that does that. I just, I, I like, after listening through, I was just like, I could have swore every line ended with just because. It was the fucking sir. The fucking oh my God. future song all over again. Oh, yes, sir. We're gonna do it. Yes, sir. Who wants Dude, this? Just because would have been fine, in my opinion, if it was like half as long. Because it's not a bad concept, and it's not a bad song, but it just repeats I, I so just don't ever want to listen to it again, because it's way too fucking repetitive. And then when he gets into the verse, I, and I, I almost forgot, because like I said, I listened to it, through it again, and I was like, oh my god, I almost don't want to listen to this. Yeah, this is the song that just repeats just because all the time. And then the verse started, and I was like, oh wait, no, it doesn't just repeat it all the time. And then in the middle of the verse, he says, damn it, I miss when you strip for no reason. I mean, just for no reason. Shopping and buying me gifts for no reason. Now you all you do is throw fit. And I'm like, okay, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> I fucking skipped it. And then, of course, we have Lullaby, which is sort of like um, another kind of, uh, you know, three-verse storytelling about, you know, um, her growing up and feeling like, yeah, man, this person, like, basically talking about three different topics, uh, three different things in her life that made her feel safe. Or made her feel, you know, loved and comfortable. And it was like the first verse about, you know, her her mom and how, and how she grew up. And, you know, his her mom became colder and more distant. And the second verse is about a boyfriend who, as time went on, you know, the relationship got more abusive. And then the third verse is about drugs, about how, you know, when she started off, it was great. And then it got worse. And then this is one of those songs where he uses similar lyrics and you're you're feeling how it relates to all three of the verses. It's fucking masterful. Oh, never fuck what I said earlier. This is the best song on the album. This is the most no. This is the most gut wrenching song on the album forever. This is this is his Drake moment. This is his. I gotta talk to my child. Oh that yeah. I, that I've obviously been neglectful of because you hear it earlier in the album. Talk about finally getting some sort. of... Of, like, conclusion to the skits. Yes! Because of all the people that are calling him, the only person that really has any sort of importance is the woman he's in a relationship with who has the child. Because it's like, yeah, okay, shouldn't that be, like, the underlining... Like, that's obviously the most important thing going on here. Fuck, you stole something from me, or whatever. Like, that shit ain't important. I don't care about that. Like... Don't have every song end with the phone calls. Maybe have every other one end and just have the phone calls be from her. You have songs on here that are literally about, you know, I don't want to grow up and be like how you were. Right, yeah. And, and then you have a song, and then the song before that is about Joyner, um, the, the skit ends on Joyner Lucas apparently giving advice to some kid. You know, so you're thinking like, wait, is he supposed to be a cool guy? It, and, and this like... This dad is just being overprotective and, like, just being an asshole? Mm. Or is he right? Because he actually is being very neglectful of his child. But then you have this song where he's like, you know, let me tell you this intricate story about how I did not want to have you when, you know, I first heard about it. And I was like, man, that is, that's, like, that's a good topic. I'll give, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, that's, not a lot of people write that song. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, because, you know, every time it's always like, you know, there's always like the sort of like, oh, we had a kid, but we're making it work. He's like making it very clear. Nope, I didn't want this at all. In fact, I was at the baby shower. I was specifically like frowning. I hated this. You fucking ruined my life, you piece of shit. <laughs> like, it was just like, holy fuck. 
But then he comes to the end where he's just like, but I learned to love and I know that I have a responsibility now and I have to take that. And this is like, okay, well, this is a full song. This is what I need from this guy, you know, because he knows how to do this. And it could reveal something about why he's so distant, right? Because maybe there is just that sort of like, maybe if I just ignore it, it'll be like it didn't happen. And then he's like, well, I can't ignore it. I have to deal with this. And so, and so you could say that this is like the manifestation of that trepidation and that, and that fear and that wishing that he could have gotten rid of it. You know what I'm saying? And then having to realize that it's like, this is a person and, you know, she made her decision and I, you know, I made a decision to have sex with this person, like straight up and down if we're going to keep it a hundred, you know? And so it's like, Jesus, man, like, it's just a whole fucking thing. And then you end with the, hey, yo, it's the 12th time I called you, dog. You know, uh, I want my money. I want it right now. I'm going to pull up a stuff. I'm like, at the end of this song, take forever. I need more. Uh, uh, Just like you. Lullaby, take those songs, put that on an EP, and that is gold. You would be untouchable as an artist. But unfortunately, you also decided to put Look What You Made Me Do on there. Unfortunately, you decided to also put fucking One Lonely Night on there. And now we can finally get... (laughs) Yeah, now we can finally... Dude, if it wasn't for I Need More, I was gonna say Forever should have... Honestly, no. Forever should should have been where you ended it. You can put I Need More earlier in the album, but Forever needed to be the last track. But no. No. You had to give us Literally. You had to give us I'm Sorry. You had to give us One More Night. In that order. Right, yeah, because I think I'm Sorry is a good song, but why the fuck is it after Literally? Yeah, I'm Sorry would have been okay. Yeah, not in this context. Because I- I'm Sorry is almost like, uh... Do you remember that song, You, from, uh, It's a Bit of a Butterfly? It's almost like two people arguing about it. And that's what you got with I'm Sorry. It's like the, it's like the two sides of, of, the, uh, of the person being suicidal. You got the one person who is like, Yeah, man, like, I'm suicidal, and, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that it's gonna go out this way, or whatever. And then the other side... Of the person dealing with the suicide. And it's like, you know what? You don't really get that often. You don't really get the two sides of that. And, the and like, the realism. Yeah. It's so, yes. like, damn, this is really good. I hate that it's right after a song about a guy chopping his own dick off. <laughs> Sequencing people. Because, my God, that's a terrible lead-in. And Ooh. then you get... <laughs> One lonely night. Why? Why? What I'm is done. that? Nearly every, all the goodwill that this oh. album painstakingly built up despite, despite its failures. You know? Oh. So, alright. So, <laughs> first of all, the first four fucking minutes has no rapping in it. You know, the girl's like, uh... You know, I want to come over and I want to fucking, you know, because I'm really horny and you're Jordan Lucas and you're the hottest person ever because that's what we have to do on the, the, the male rapper's album. Make him sound like he's just hot shit. Um, and so 
his verse starts, you know, he's pumped up. Oh, yeah, this girl's coming over. She's about to get the dick tonight. <laughs> he says, oh, shit, here we go again. Make sure you take them clothes off. Bitch, I'm going in. And you're going to take this dick while I press record. And tonight, you're my slave. Don't you ever tell me no again. Repeat. So don't you ever tell me no again. All right. Maybe it's like a BDS. Bitch, I'm possessive and I'll never let you go again. Oh, who you hitting on the phone at 2 a.m.? Uh, I had to tell that nigga, don't you ever text my hoe again. Said, don't you ever text my hoe again. Look, nigga, I don't care how long you've been friends. I don't care if you knew each other since he was 10. Bitch, I don't care if your little brother is cool with his. Like, holy fucking God. Yeah, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. And I'm thinking like, is this a character? Is he playing a character? Because of the, the, the other songs, he's playing a character. So he's just, I was like, no, he's not playing a character. He's just, he's just being him, being a fucking horrible fucking person. Like, what the fuck is going on? What the- Like I said, this isn't like a, oh, look, I'm being this over-the-top character like with other songs. No, because he, he does the little, oh, I'm, she gonna fall and I'm a ball like alopecia. Ha, <laughs> said, oh, I'm a ball like alopecia. Yeah, see, yeah, th- you know that thing about him repeating things where he doesn't need to repeat it? This is, this is, this is the logic territory here. Um, yeah. And then, uh, I turn to God, then read the Bible and grab the heater. Okay, so you know how I said when he repeats things and it kind of gives, like, new meaning when he repeats it again? He just makes it fucking worse. He says, you're going to take this dick while I press record and tonight you're my slave. Don't you ever tell me no again. And then the track stops and you hear crying. Yeah. And he says, shut the fuck up, ho. And I'm just like, oh my god. Oh my god, what the fuck? This isn't okay. What the fuck? I'm looking at the cop. Perfect outro on Rap Genius. Oh, perfect outro. <laughs> Bumping this all day. Most are you, what are you? What are you fucking talking about? It's not even a good song. No. Like, even if you looked past the terrible lyrics, it's still not even a good song. Look, I'm looking at the, uh, uh, the Genius Sanitation where they say, you know what the song's about. One Lonely Night is about a girl who broke down one night and her friends have left her stranded and alone, leading her to call Joyner's cell. Did you guys not hear the part about her fucking crying? Like, look, I understand being into some freaky shit. Like, I get it. This wasn't just, oh, it's sexy to do really intense stuff. This is, don't talk to people who I don't know that happen to be men. Like, that is... Very specifically, fucking toxic behavior. And we ended the album on that. And I don't even get it, because at no point did we get that this was his character. So, is this not supposed to be him? Is this, like, just another story being told about someone else? But then why is it the outro? Yeah, right? Why Why is this... Because it feels like the culmination of everything else that happens up until this point. Like, I was under the impression that the girl calling him at the beginning was the girl with the baby who's been, like, calling him all album and finally, like, hey, you know, I forgive you for not being around for no reason because you've done nothing to show that you're sorry, but I'm gonna fucking give you the time of day anyway, and then this is how you're gonna treat me for calling you all the time. But if that's not even the same person, and it's just a completely removed thing then it makes even less sense. Because that was just a total random person, and I don't even know if the person who's 
having the rough sex or possibly even borderline rape with this person yeah. is even supposed to be him. But then, if it's such a serious topic, which I, I'm, I feel like that's how it's supposed to be interpreted, right? Like, this isn't supposed to be funny or like a feel-good. This is terrifying. Why does it still end with the, like, the phone call and the supposed-to-be-funny guy singing over the phone bit? Everything about the outro was confusing. And honestly, like, the last few songs ruined the experience. Which is why I'm honestly torn as to what I even want to give the album. There were times where I was like, I'm thinking four. But as an overall product, I couldn't. I can't in good faith. Yeah. Okay, so when I when I rate it all together is 3.93. Okay. And... Like, I totally see that being like, you're almost at that four. Because, like I said, he still has moments of absolute genius. Yeah. But, holy shit. Talk about leaving a fucking bad taste in your mouth at the end of the album. Like, I'm not trying to re-listen to... Like, I don't care if you made fucking Just Like You, you know, seven tracks ago. The last thing I heard was you... Sounding like a fucking abuser and a rapist. If it's not supposed to be you, it needs to be fucking clear that this is not supposed to be you. Yeah. And if it is, is there a point to it? Because if not, it sounds like you're totally just okay with being possessive and you see and you see no issue with this. Which makes me fucking take pause and makes me question your fucking character. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and say like a 3.75... Is, is probably about where I land with it. Because, yeah, there are some really great songs on here. And ma- mainly the ones you mentioned. Like, I can't recommend those enough. And even the ones that aren't that great are still better than, like, your your usual... Yes, definitely. Type, ...type experience. But, man, there are some real duds. And songs that, like, just unfortunately fail when they could otherwise have been really good. Like, Keep It 100 could have been great. Just because... Just because had potential, but it ruined it. So, yeah, I, I would definitely check out, like, half of this album. Punch the fuck out after I need more. Well, folks, that about does it for this week's episode of the Going Off Podcast. Thank you very much for checking us out. If you recall, we did two Patreon-requested album reviews this week, and if you have albums that you would like to hear us review... Head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash rapcritic, or patreon.com slash muse for details. Follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on YouTube. If this is your first time checking us out, all of our old episodes are on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search Going Off Podcast. And until next time, I'm Muse. And I'm Rap Critic. And your technique is magnificent when cut by the throat a sound like wailing winter winds is heard they say i've always wanted to cut someone's neck to hear that sound but to have it happen to my own neck is ridiculous Wait, is that what Wailing Winter Winds sounds like? Shut up, man. Respect the dead.